With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What is up? What is good? How you living? How you feeling? How you doing? The guy to my left is Connor Rogers. The hair is flowing and the draft takes are going to be great. Uh, This is a sad day, but it's an exciting day. It's our last live Thursday show because the NFL draft is a week away. Connor Rogers, the national holiday has arrived. We will have one more show, Connor, Sunday. It's going to be our mock draft special. It's going to be in the app as well, 11 o'clock. But we want to welcome in everybody on Twitter, everybody on YouTube, and of course, everybody in the BR app. I will be monitoring your comments and seeing which ones are really good. Connor, today it is instant impact prospects. I hear we have two for each position. What's the idea here? What are we looking for? Well, we got to state the obvious, Lefko. A lot of times, the best players in the draft are the ones that should make the instant impact. So the first name you're going to hear at every position group is probably a first-round player that you've heard a lot of. But what we're going to spend a lot of time is the other guy listed, maybe somebody that's the not-so-obvious, maybe someone that's going in the second, third, or fourth round that could be a day-one starter, that could quietly be a Rookie of the Year contender. So there's going to be new names on this show that we're excited to reveal today. Think about it. It's not just, you know, the top running back. It's also James Robinson who goes to the Jaguars. It's not just Justin Jefferson. It's Chase Claypool who goes around later. So we'll give you, the way I look at it is, the early round rookies that could win Rookie of the Year and the one that can shock them. So we'll go through that. As always, uh, we appreciate the comments. We'll read as many as we can. JJA326, I'm feeling real confident Mac Jones is going at three. I just wanted you to know that. Just that bet, you're going to owe me $20. Pretty pumped about that. Draft night next Thursday. Connor, me, Aqib Talib sitting on the desk. It is going to be an absolute blast. When a, when a quarterback gets drafted, we call up RG3. When a wide receiver gets drafted, we call up Reggie Wayne. Somebody in the trenches, the amazing Cam Jordan. We have a laundry list of guests that are going to be joining us and bringing insight. And also, if you have a crazy reaction to a draft pick, so record yourself when your team is up, submit it to the NFL draft community, and we will get you swag, some BR Gridiron swag. Let's get down to the show. And as the bottom of the screen says, news and rumors, Devontae Smith weighs in at 166 at six feet. Connor, your reaction? Well, you know, obviously he probably wanted to keep this under wraps a little bit and chose not to weigh in at his pro day, and it's all anyone ever asked. And then obviously there are medical checks in Indianapolis this year still, and the weight gets out that he's 166 left go, and uh, it changes nothing for me with Devontae Mm. Smith. I still have him 10th overall. I think this is somebody that obviously won the Heisman, but dominated the SEC. You got to be pretty strong to do that. With Devontae Smith, you have to ask yourself, does the weight ever impact him on film? Is he getting jammed at the line of scrimmage and getting thrown to the sideline? Is he you know, too easy to tackle or anything like that? Does he play small? 
None of those things. So I'm not bothered by this, but I do wonder if NFL teams overthink this. My gut instinct is they won't. If Devontae Smith starts the slide, and we talked about the over-under of 11 and a half, so I thought he's going in the top 11 picks. If he makes it past 11 and starts to get closer to 15, somebody will probably trade up, and that person is very smart. So it doesn't really impact me. From the people I've talked to, they don't really seem very concerned about it because he's such a good route runner. He's great in contested catch situations. He's not somebody that's banged up all the time because of this weight or anything like that. So it's a uh, juicy storyline for a lot of people. We don't get 166-pound receivers that are projected top 15 picks in many drafts, but sometimes there's outliers left go, and you don't want to make a habit of betting on them, but this is one that you bet on. Also, when this becomes your job, and you are eating and under a nutritional guideline and in the weight room all the time, and there are no classes and there is no train. It's just this. I would be surprised if he didn't add some weight. It's just a fact of playing in the NFL. I've interviewed a ton of rookies, and then I meet them five years later, and they don't even look the same because they become a man. So let's also realize that he's going to get up to what? 170, 180. It's definitely possible. Uh, we talk a lot. We talked on Monday on the Left Go Show. Misinformation season is here. Uh, a lot of people want to trade down, Connor. Do you think that – how many of the trade down opportunities will really present themselves? I mean, once the quarterbacks are gone, you don't see a lot of trade downs. The one that I do have my eye on, and I think I've told you this before, Lefko, is what happens if Penny Sewell starts the slide, right? There's a lot of rumors mm. around the Bengals at five that they'll take Jamar Chase. I think it's pretty close. It'll be Sewell or Chase. And then you start to wonder, you know, is Miami going to take one of these wide receivers for Tua? Does Rashawn Slater go before Sewell? That's something that a lot of people I've spoken to think could happen. So if Sewell starts to slide, you have teams like the Lions that have a lot of work to do. The Panthers, they have a lot of work to do on their roster as well. Relatively new regimes, a, a new GM for the Lions, a new GM of course, for the Panthers and a coach that's only been there for a year. Those are the teams that realistically could trade out because the fifth quarterback could fall there, Sewell could fall there, a wide receiver that teams really like, maybe even Kyle Pitts. But these mm. rumors of every team outside the top 15 trying to move down, I know Chris Ballard would love to do it every single year. There's got to be somebody that teams want to come up for, and often that is not the case. That makes sense. So Penny Sewell, Rashawn Slater, the two big offensive linemen, the quarterbacks – and then after that, it's something we talked about. You don't have that upper-tier corner, that upper-tier pass rusher. And so, really, who's trading up? Who is going to be your partner? Something to think about as you read all of these reports and blogs over the next week. Okay, let's get into it. Instant impact prospects. These are guys that Connor believes, depending on the situation, could come in right away and have an impact on the NFL. We're only doing one quarterback, and so... Of Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, who's the one that you think comes in right away and has an instant impact? I hate to do the most obvious one, but it's the number one overall pick, and that's Trevor Lawrence, right? We know he's going to be a week one starter. We know this team is going to do everything they can to build around him. Uh, we saw him come in as a true freshman and win games at Clemson and win with his legs and win with his arm. And often that is the best uh, variable for rookie quarterbacks to have success. And we know Justin Fields and Trey Lance, they're guys that can run as well. You'd like to see Fields run even more than he already does. Lance, we don't know if he's going to start coming out of the FCS and not playing this year because his season was moved to the spring. 
So Trevor Lawrence is the guy that you sit there and go, well, we know he's going to play right away. We know he's got the athleticism to pick up yards. We know he's got really good arm strength and intermediate accuracy has gotten better year after year. He's played against a high level of competition in a very, very big stage on the college football platform. So Trevor Lawrence is the one that comes in and, and probably has a pretty good amount of success as a rookie quarterback. Will it be perfect at times? No, he's going to throw his interceptions. He's coming out of a, a very college offense, right? A lot of screens, a lot of quick throws along the lines of that. But Trevor Lawrence should have a very, very big impact. Well, luckily, he's going to a team that will likely be running a lot of college schemes led by Urban Meyer down there in Jacksonville. Also, Jacksonville, I mentioned James Robinson before. All those years where that offensive line was sort of rebuilding, suddenly it's a little bit more stable than I think people realize. And they do have some wide receiver weapons around him. Trevor Lawrence should be interesting. I also think Tennessee may take a step back this year. I think Houston is an absolute mess. So I do think it's an easier division than if you were to go to the AFC East, like possibly Zach Wilson, where you're playing the Bills, Patriots, and Dolphins, who all look to be ready to roll. Let's get an app comment here from Parker Larson 1. What are the chances of six quarterbacks going in the first round? I named the other five, Connor. So I guess the question is, what are the chances? Give me a percentage. And who do you believe that sixth would be if it did happen? I'll say 5%. Maybe there is some very, very small chance. And I think it would be a, tree, a team trading back in. I know everybody likes to use the Saints. I, I've heard that is not the direction they're expected to go in the first round. We'll see how that plays out. So you have the Davis Mills, the Kellen Mons, and the Kyle Trask of the world. And, and just the way you hear me say those names left go, I don't think it's happening. I think those guys will be day two selections. I don't even right. think they'll be, you know, come off the board at 33, 34 for teams trading up. I know a lot of people like to look at it and go the fifth year option. Or, they're just not talented enough players to bet the house on in the first round right now. Davis Mills started 11 games, 11 games. I don't see it. So 5%. Maybe we get that draft night surprise. It's happened before, but I don't see it happening. All right, let's go to instant impact running back, and now we are going to do two. Someone that could go in the first round and someone that could go later. And so I think when we talk about first-rounders, it's really either going to be Travis Etienne or Najee Harris. Who do you think is that instant impact of the early selections? I think it's Najee Harris. And the reason being, and this is going to be the case for the name I'm going to go on about later, the day two name, is... NFL coaches will put a rookie running back on the field if they're ready in pass protection. And I see that with Najee Harris. He really excels at all three phases of the running back position. And, and that's obviously as a runner, but as a pass catcher and a pass protector. And that's why I think he's going to go in the first round, Lefko, which we don't always get that uh, with running backs. There's no lock for one in round one every single year. But I think an NFL coach will be ready to put him on the field. I think he's going to go to a landing spot where he gets an insane workload. You look at the Steelers, you look at the Dolphins, you look at teams along the lines of that. That just makes a lot of sense that he's your three down runner. And he's been running over defenders and away from defenders in the SEC for years where I don't want to say it's not going to be that much different, but I remember interviewing Leonard Fournette on Stick to Football many years ago. I think he was a rookie at the time. And I said to him, I said, man, what's this adjustment been like? You've been in the league for a couple months. And he's like, man, coming out of the SEC, he goes, it's not that different. And I think Najee Harris right. is built the same mentally where it won't really phase him as much. So Najee Harris, big instant impact, uh, could even be one of those round one, round two fantasy picks with the workload he's expected to get as a rookie. 
Uh, of course, depending on the landing spot, but he'll be exciting to watch right away. All right, I, I want to dive into Najee, and we're going to go into in a second. But first, I am going to need your later round impact player. So maybe someone that doesn't go in the first round that could come out of nowhere like a James Robinson and challenge Najee as the best rookie running back next year. It'll be Javante Williams. I think the reason being he he creates his own yards. He's incredible at forcing missed tackles. Love he loves loves blocking in the backfield. Loves protecting his quarterback. Uh, really incredible character makeup, you know, Val Victorian uh, coming out of high school, just a brilliant wow. guy, a uh, really successful player. So I think you look at him, he's probably going to go late in the second round. I compared him to Chris Carson, uh, just a bowling ball that can run right through you. Good enough burst, not the breakaway like ETN, but he's just going to come in ready to go. And he's got experience in a scheme in a zone heavy scheme, but you know, he can Oof. excel as a man runner. I'm laughing at tacklers bouncing off of him. Because it's going to look like this in the NFL. He's just so good at creating his own yards. Like you said Najee. Chris Carson? Connor, his yeah. picture, he looks like Chris Carson. I'm telling you, it's the comp for him. For me, and people react a weird way to that when I say it. They're like, Chris Carson, that's underwhelming. I'm like, Chris Carson's quietly been one of the better running backs in the it's NFL phenomenal. lately. Yeah. So he's just he's pro-ready, Lefko. He, he runs uh, like a gr- grown man's strength in his running style. Like I said, coaches will just love that he really owns up to being a really reliable pass protector, and he's ready for a big workload. So, you know, you look at the Jets, if they trade out of 34, maybe even take him at 34, that would be a surprise. Mm. The Falcons are another team that needs a running back and could have a big workload. I mentioned the Dolphins and Steelers. If they don't take Najee Harris or Etienne in round one, maybe they look at Javante Williams in round two. So, like Najee, big workload, huge rookie impact. All right, so let me take back what I said. I said that was a late rounder. That's definitely one of those first, second rounders. So that's not the first running back off the board because Javante Williams is not lasting to the third or fourth round after what I saw and after what everybody in the comments section saw. Javante Williams right there, man, that was, I I think about like a Nick Chubb who didn't go right in the first round, but in the second round, you're like, oh, he was right up there with everybody else there out of Georgia. Okay, you mentioned Najee Harris and you mentioned the Steelers. There's something about the last name Harris running for the Steelers that got me very excited. And so I want to build a dream draft for the Steelers. If they were to go Najee at 24, who do they take at two and three in their second and third round picks to make it a dream draft for the Steelers? Yeah, I think if they're going to take a running back in round one, which is a risk for any team and definitely a bold move, they still have significant needs at cornerback and offensive line. So round two, I look at Asante Samuel Jr., right? Get yourself a corner uh, that, sure, he's a little undersized, but very, very feisty, good click and close, good speed, good agility. I think even at that size, he can play man coverage just because he could stay in the hip pocket of wide receivers. And I look at the Steelers, they they cut Steven Nelson. They're a little thin at corner right now. You can get Asante Samuel Jr. in round two. You got yourself a starter, and I think that's something to be really, really excited about. So it's going to be interesting how they view the round, the run on corners in round one. One of the top four might not be there when they pick in round one. So you got Najee Harris, you got Asante Samuel. Like I said, they still got needs on the offensive line, and this is a deep offensive line class that you can get starters in round three. So if you're ready for this name, Lefko, Stone Forsyth from Florida. Ooh. He is a gigantic offensive tackle. He's six foot nine really reliable in pass protection. One of those players that just hard to get around him or get through him when you're rushing the passer. Incredible length, 
but really good balance at that size. Most offensive tackles that are above six foot six, six foot seven, you always question how their feet and overall balance and ability to mirror is going to be. There's no concerns there for him. He might not make it to round three with the kind of rise he's had. And I know it's hard to be a driving run blocker at that height. It really is hard to get leverage. So he's going to have a little bit of work to do there, but he's one of the most underrated offensive linemen in this class. And it would be a huge get for the Steelers in round three. Steelers used to those big offensive linemen, Alejandro Villanueva, one of those 6'8", 6'9", guys. He is now off in free agency. You're right. You take a look at that Steelers offensive line. They have a lot of new names for a unit that has been pretty solid for the last five, six years. We have an app comment, Connor. This one is from Ravage Savage 44 which is one of the better app names I've heard. Is Jamar Chase to the Bengals the closest thing to a lock? This has been the last week or two, Jamar Chase being penciled in in all mock drafts there at number five to the Bengals. Do you think it's a lock? Early on, this was Penny Sewell. This was Rashawn Slater. Are you willing right now? What percentage? I want to hear your lock percentage. It, not a lock. I'm going to put it at 50% right now. And I might even up that to, I'll say 60%. So not a lock, but you feel good about it. Number one, you have the most important voice in the room, Joe Burrow, advocating to select Jamar Chase. Number two, he's one of the best wide receiver prospects we've seen in the last five years. Just no brainer right. in terms of that. Now, what you wonder is, would they rather take Penny Sewell after what happened to Joe Burrow last year? Is it going to be a reactionary right. selection in that case? Then my question is, like, Jonah Williams is a serviceable left tackle right now. So is Penny going to play on the right side? Is he going to play guard? Are you going to move Jonah? That's the questions I have with offensive line. Even the same questions if they took Rashawn Slater. So 60% for Jamar Chase. That's the pick that I think is happening but it's not a lock right now. There are a lot of people, even the Dolphins, I think, are sitting there wondering after moving back to six. I know they would probably love to have Jamar Chase. They're probably sitting there going, hey, we might not be able to get him now because he's this kind of dominant player. I mean, you see him against Diggs there, who's starting in the NFL now. He bodies NFL-level defenders, and he was 19 years old in this. He's great after the catch. He's only getting stronger. He ran really, really well. And we know what the Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow connection can do. We've already seen it for an undefeated national title run. What would it do in the NFL? I think it'd be really special. It, it sounds like you want to make him your early round instant impact guy. Yeah, I mean, just a no-brainer because even when he's not open, he's open, Lefko. You throw up the ball to him and he makes it. So Jamar Chase, uh, just a no-brainer instant impact. Like I said, he's got a lot of juice after the catch. Very, very confident. He can run by NFL corners because we've already really seen him do it. And I think that he comes into an offense that, quite frankly, has some good skill talent where you're not just going to sell out to stop him. So Jamar Chase uh, set up for a huge amount of targets from a quarterback that just loves the guy. Big time, instant impact. Uh, got a comment in the app. Pat Chamberlain, are those ice cream cones on your shirt, Lefko? I'm trying to figure out, and it's been killing me. Yes. Why? Because the NFL draft is a treat. <laughs> Connor, that was your instant impact early. What about a guy that's that could go either later in the first round, second round, uh, who could be another impact guy at wide receiver not named Jamar Chase? So he never gets mentioned with Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, anyone like that. But Rashad Bateman is much closer to that crop of wide receivers 
than people think. And Rashad Bateman is a player that does all the right things that translate early on in the NFL. Releases off the line of scrimmage, route running, catching the ball in traffic, playing above the rim, running hard after the catch, and just winning at all levels of the field. You see those light feet. I mean, they have corners frozen, and he can track the football. The deep ball, he's fearless player. I look at the teams that make so much sense for him, Lefko. Your Eagles, if they traded out, or I wouldn't even knock the pick if mm. they took him there, although I don't think that's going to happen. The Packers at the end of round one maybe finally get that other receiver for Aaron Rodgers. And then the Ravens, they couldn't get a top-flight wide receiver to sign there this offseason, but he's their kind of guy. A physical player, reminds me a little of Keenan Allen, a little of Stevie Johnson, that unorthodox footwork at the line of scrimmage that kind of scrambles corners. So Rashad Bateman is an underrated player. Uh, have not seen him get a lot of round one love. I think he's very, very worthy of a round one selection. Baltimore picking at 27, Green Bay picking at 29. It does make sense there at the end of the first round if they were looking for an explosive player at the wide receiver position. Just to add a little bit, Bateman, 4 for one four four one forty, and the longest arms of almost any wide receiver other than draft, other than Collins out of Michigan with 33-inch arms. So he's got... Pretty nice wingspan, and at 21 years old, what'd you say? Those are offensive tackle arms. That's the threshold for an offensive tackle, 33 inches. Pretty unbelievable. Okay, we have an app comment here from Sony Michelle Juice. Will Kyle Pitts <laughs> be the best tight end in the NFL in five years? So in five years, Travis Kelsey's in his 30s, um, you know, Darren Waller's in his 30s. What do you think, Connor? George Kittle? Yeah, I mean, by George default, Kittle. he should be with the expectations. I believe Kittle should be 32. Kelsey will be 36. And I want to say Waller will be, he'll definitely be in his 30s as well. So by default, he should be. Now, what I'll say, Lefko, you never want to bet the house on round one tight ends. The last decade of round one tight ends has been uh, very, very up and down, to say the least. But I like Kyle Pitts a lot. In terms of production, he will he should be a really, really good wide receiver. We've said it before. Don't think he'll ever be the blocker that Kittle or Kelsey necessarily are, but an all-world ceiling as a wide receiver. And we know how it goes, Lefko. The guys that produce the fantasy points, especially at odd positions like tight end, always yep. get the most love. So I think Kyle Pitts is in... He's on a good track to at least be in contention for that role. All right, so he's obviously your instant impact tight end. We talked about this on Monday. It's him and then a huge drop-off. After that drop-off, who is a tight end that could have an instant impact next year depending on which team he goes to? It's Tommy Tremble from Notre Dame, and that's a name that this is a bad tight end class. It unsurprisingly is not getting a ton of love. But Tremble does a lot of things that fit in the NFL. You see his ability to move on the outside run game and get out in front and block. This team did not use him as a receiver, but he tested as a high-profile athlete, Lefko. He's got good size, good moving ability. He loves to block, and it's not just wide receivers. He can get out and set the edge against linebackers. So, sure, he might not be in your daily fantasy lineup from week one, but can he get on the field in a lot of these outside zone running games and make a huge difference as a runner? I know the Titans have been doing a lot of work on tight ends after they lost Jonu Smith and 
People look at John U. Smith and they think athletic pass catcher. He does a lot of nice things in the run game for Derrick Henry as well. So I look at Tremble, who's been regarded as a round three, round four prospect. I think he's going round two. I look at the Seahawks and Titans and just think that's such an ideal fit for him. I mean, you're seeing it right here. He lines up in the backfield. He's more of an H-back. You, you know Kyle Juice check really well from the 49ers. That's how Notre Dame kind of used this guy. And there's a big-time place for that in the NFL right now. The demand outweighs the supply of players like this. So Tommy Tremble is someone that really, really excited me on film. The athletic profile checked out from his pro day. Very impressive. Instant impact blocker. And I think he's got a lot left in the tank to grow as a pass catcher. 63241 ran a 46340 with a 1-5-6 split, uh, 78.5 inch wingspan, and he's only 20 years old right now. He, to me, listening to you talk, it's almost like Bizarro Kyle Pitts, where the dude loves blocking. And and you go, Oh, maybe we can get some passing game out of him a little bit later. But everything you showed there, there's a lot of value of that in the NFL. A lot of value in that in the NFL. There's so much value in it because there's a ton of teams that use guys like this now. The 49ers, the Titans, Green Bay, the New York Jets with their new staff are going to look for a player like this. And once Connor, again, I would there's add not Atlanta, a lot of them. Now that they have Arthur Smith, they're probably running like this too. That is a, a bad omission for me. The Falcons are the perfect team in this situation. And they're such a perfect team for tight end. They might sit tight and take Kyle Pitts at four. But if they don't, Get Bizarro, Kyle Pitts, and Tommy Tremble. I like Bizarro, Kyle Pitts. Okay, instant impact offensive line. And I noticed here from the notes that you're not going Slater and you're not going Penny Sewell. And I get excited about this because now I really get to learn. So who are we starting with as an instant impact guy here? Yeah, I got tired when I was filling out this rundown, Lefko, of giving you the blue chip players after blue chip players. So I start with Tevin Jenkins, who I think has climbed into round one. He can go as early as 17 to the Vegas Raiders. Uh, He's played both spots for this offensive line. You see him at right tackle. He might be the best at finishing blocks in the entire draft. You remember all the highlights of Makai Becton last year? Tevin Jenkins must have watched those and said, hey, I want to replicate this. I want to be this guy. He can climb to the second level, climb to linebackers, and put them in the dirt. He's just, he moves so well for that size. He actually reminds me of Taylor Luan, Lefko. He's got that really, really upright, sturdy frame, long arms, so powerful, and he finishes blocks, and he's so athletic that he's someone that really excites me in this offensive line class. If we walked out of this draft in three years from now, we're like, oh, Tevin Jenkins is the pro bowler of the offensive lineman. I wouldn't be shocked. And I think teams love that they could plug and play him on the right side from day one, where he's going to go somewhere in that famous run I keep talking to you about. It starts at 17 uh, with the Raiders and ends at 24 with the Steelers, where it could just be offensive line mania. So Tevin Jenkins, instant impact player, has really improved in pass pro, and he is just a mauler that does the dirty work in the run game for his guys. So it blocked for a good one in Chuba Hubbard as well. Tevin Jenkins instant impact player, uh, once thought of as a nice day two offensive tackle, a lock for round one right now. Brian 3000 says, most violent man in football. My rule, I like angry offensive linemen because it's easy to calm them down as they get older, but it's harder to get them angry if they just don't have it in them. 
And you can act like, oh, that's too rough for our sport. They're offensive linemen. They're banging into people 50 times a game. I want them to have a mean streak. And look at his picture. He took my offensive lineman PR. Wear glasses. People will think you're smarter than you actually are. And if you are smart, perfect. Uh, give me another guy. Offensive lineman. I was looking at the BR Gridiron page, and I noticed all of the offensive linemen that have come out of Oklahoma. Holy crap. It is incredible. I see by your list, there, we could be adding another name to this list. Yeah, and Creed Humphrey has been there for quite some time that he's played with some of them already. So Creed Humphrey, uh, center slash guard prospect, I think he comes in and plays center from day one. And he tested as one of the best interior offensive line athletes at this position that we have ever seen. And I think you watch mm. the film, and he's somebody that, once again, like Tevin Jenkins, moves really well. Great anchor in the middle, so smart. He's played with a ton of NFL quarterbacks already, and this year he played for a future one in Spencer Rattler. So Creed Humphrey has about a million snaps of experience from playing at Oklahoma, That he comes in and he's pro-ready. He can help out a young quarterback, even as a rookie, calling out <laughs> linebackers, helping at the line of scrimmage. Really, really nasty at the goal line for you know the offense to finish drives. So Creed Humphrey is someone that, never really gives up, up a sack, never loses in pass protection, does a really nice job in the run game. The center position doesn't really get valued in round one as much as we once thought. I know we've had you know the Garrett Bradburys of the world and guys like that, but I think Creed Humphrey is somebody that goes at the top of round two and really has a long NFL career and also can play for you for day one. So you know, And I compared him to Frank Ragno, somebody who's had a ton of success for the Lions so far. So a no-brainer player comparison, a tough guy in the middle. Uh, JJ saying, I want Creed Humphrey to the 49ers. Uh, legendary Nene uh, Nay saying, Creed, the man's name says it all. Creed Humphrey is, that's a top-tier name as well. We got a, a lot of good names. Tommy Tremble in Humphrey. So good. I love this. And, and, you see that that interior offensive line. I know that the Chiefs just signed Tooney, uh, but they could always use more. You mentioned the Raiders already, but just to give people the context of that run you were talking about for offensive linemen in the first round, because this is a run that will happen round after round. Seventeen is the Raiders. Eighteen is the Dolphins. Nineteen is Washington. Twenty is Chicago. 21 is Indy, who has lost some offensive linemen this year. 22 is Tennessee, who went through a lot of injuries on their O-line last season. And then 23 is the Jets, and 24 is Pittsburgh. That's the run Connor's been talking about. You ready to yeah, move to defense? Yeah, let's move to defense. It's we'll, we'll have plenty of time to talk about the offensive line in the mock draft. Okay, app comment. Will 101 How big of a risk is Jalen Phillips' medical history. Give me a little bit of background about where he could go and the medical history and how that could impact it. So I talked to a lot of people this weekend, you know, scouts, coaches that have been doing these evals, and everybody's very comfortable with Jalen Phillips in round one. If you go back to the first draft crash course, he was somebody that uh, was a very interesting player, a polarizing player, because he has round one talent, really top 20 talent, the most talented pass rusher in the entire draft. But an interesting history. He's somebody that was a 
elite recruit, right? Expected to be the next Miles Garrett and goes to UCLA, gets on the field as a freshman, is pretty productive, but has plenty of injury problems. And with his concussions, was actually forced to medically retire. Takes a little time away from the game, transfers to Miami, gets his body right for a year, shows up for 2020, ready to go. Him and Quincy Roche on that offense, on that defensive line, Gregory Rousseau opts out. There's an opportunity for him. He's beating double teams. He's a gigantic guy that could bend around the corner, outside speed rush, inside swim move, it really good against the run, plays hard, plays with energy. So I asked teams, I said, you know, are teams okay with him medically now? Are you guys okay with him medically? And everyone seems to be okay. You know, the question is, can you get him to that elite level? We know all the traits are there. We know the flashes are there. So Jalen Phillips is going round one. The injury history is fascinating, and it can always work against you. You never know how a violent game of football is going to go for anybody. But Jalen Phillips will hear his name called on night one, and he could be the best pass rusher to come out of this draft. Mm. Maybe uh, I'm curious who your comp is. Maybe it's because you said UCLA and he, and how long he is, but I thought of Cassius Marsh just when he first came out and sort of his athletic profile. Who did you have as your comp? Yeah, I had him Ziggy Ansah, right? Just an absolute freak on the outside. Explosive, uh, long. Not a lot of guys that are six foot five, 260 can turn like that. And I know Ziggy has had monster years. I know he's had down years. And the only reason he's had his down years couldn't stay healthy. So Ziggy's a great mm. athlete, a really good player. Uh, Jalen just reminds me so much of him with all of those raw traits. All right, so Jalen Phillips will be the one that Connor believes could have an instant impact right away. You mentioned Rousseau. Uh, we know the, the guy there at Georgia you love as well. But go a little bit later. Who's someone that might not crack the first round that you think could have an instant impact in year one? Peyton Turner from Houston. He's edge number five for me in this draft. And actually found him from watching Zach Wilson's film back in November. And you say, who is this gigantic edge rusher with good speed, great hustle against the run, another big guy that can turn the corner. He can play small when he needs to. He can collapse the pocket. That hit is just ridiculous with the strip sack. He reminds me of Frank Clark, Lefko, somebody that is a really, really big guy that knows how to win the corner and a lot of hustle in Peyton Turner's game. He knows how to get to the run from the backside. He runs down the field. You could even drop him in coverage with those long arms to disrupt passing lanes. I saw inside counter moves. Peyton Turner excites me. I look at the Giants, I look at the Vikings, I look at the Colts. Jalen Phillips, if you want him in round one, makes a lot of sense. Peyton Turner in round two or round three, probably round two with the type of player and type of film he has, even with an injury history, uh, is your discount Jalen Phillips, I guess we can say. So these two guys, if either of them came in and had eight to ten sacks from day one, just wouldn't be shocked at all. Just to give people an idea of how big this man is, he is 6'5", 270, which is the perfect weight and height to man the edge. And his arms are 35 inches. Like, that punch is absurd. His hands are 10 and a quarter. Like, this is a monster of a human being here, Connor, Peyton Turner. Yeah, he's gigantic. And the great thing is, with a player like that, you ask, can they play you know, a more finesse brand when rushing the passer? He can. But can he also play to his size? He can. So Peyton Turner is somebody that everyone should be excited about because he's not this raw, random guy coming out of Houston. The film is really, really good. He got significantly better in 2020. 
He's a great athlete, great size, a nonstop motor. You see him going and going and going. He's an exciting player. Okay, cornerbacks, I see that your instant impact guys are two of the top guys in the draft. So I, I want to hear uh, the, the players, where you think they can go, and do you think that they're going to really turn it on the first year? Who do you want to start with? Yeah, let's start with Patrick Sertain the second, right, who reminds me of Xavier Rhodes, a big, long press corner that can really disrupt routes at the line of scrimmage. Ton of play experience against top competition, uh, can turn his hips, can run downfield, high point the football. Everybody says the Cowboys at 10. It, it feels like one of those things where when it happens, you just shrug and go, well, we've heard this for three months. Now, the Cowboys can surprise you sometimes, but I think that's an area of uh, play where a uh, team where he comes in and just starts right away. And I think wherever he goes, he's going to start right away. There's just not a lot of corners that are built like this, that have this kind of length that love to come downhill. You see it against the screen, but he also does it against the run. So Sertain, you know the last name, lives and breathes football. He has his whole life. Plug and play corner, a tough phrase to say. There's not a lot of corners that are plug and play. He might not have the upside of the next guy, who is J.C. Horn, who is another press corner who gets a little grabby, but a really, really good athlete. Before we even you know, found out he was going to be our co-host for the draft, I said, that's a key to leave. Somebody that wants Ooh. to be in your ear all day and says, you're not going anywhere. I'm staying in that hip pocket. When the ball gets here, I'm swatting it away, and I'm reminding you that it's going to be a long, long day of this. So J.C. Horn, as well in play for Dallas at 10, when you look at it, the Browns need a corner. Don't think either of these guys make it to them. I know, you know, there's a lot of teams that need corners that don't even have the necessary capital to get these guys. They're going to be very high in demand. The Chargers are another team that needs corner picking in the top 20 if they don't want to move up for an offensive lineman or wide receiver. J.C. Horn is the boomer bust prospect at corner in this draft, but I'm going to bet on bust? It. I, Because his brand of football left go gets flagged a lot at the next level, and I hate it. It's annoying that the league has become this way. In 1995, J.C. Horn might be the third pick in the draft, but every time you get grabby or play a little too physical down the field, the refs throw that laundry over and over again. It's nonsense. It's ruined the game to an extent. It's ruined defense. But I think him and Greg Newsom, top 25 picks in this draft at corner, they're both guilty of it a lot. And that's something you have to get away from at the next level. And it's very hard to coach out of guys. But I'm betting on him because he's such a good athlete. He's so confident. He just I love the way he plays the game. I think he'll be okay, but it is something that everybody's going to have their concerns over. And I'll give you one bonus one here because I'm kind of mad at myself that I gave you two top 20 corners. Yeah, I uh, let's it. go with Elijah Molden from Washington. Small, not fast, but he just does everything the right way. Can play slot corner, can play safety. I think he could survive on the outside in the right matchups. He's got great instincts. He's the best tackling corner in the draft. He always knows how to recognize routes, always knows where to be, and loves to disrupt at the catch point. So Elijah Molden, everybody's going to look at his profile and go, 5'9", you know, four, upper 4'5", four 4'6", four 40, no thanks. Some of the best corner film in this draft. Going to be a really good pro. Uh, Connor Rogers fan stole my brainwaves. He said, J.C. Horn screams New England at 15 if they don't move up. You talk about, like, coaches that let their corners use their hands. Belichick is like, 
keep doing it until they call it. Also, I'm a little bit selfish, but if somehow Patrick Sertan went to the Dolphins at 18 and J.C. Horn went to the Saints at 28, I love the notion of seeing them play where their fathers played. And if you do not know the story of how Joe Horn got to the NFL, I beg you to look it up. Joe Horn was playing, I believe, in the Canadian Football League and had Jerry Rice's workout video and watched it so much that he recreated it. And that's how he got on an NFL roster. And for a few years, was a top five, top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. So you know with somebody like JC, it is baked into his brain the work ethic that it will take to be one of the best at the next level. Love it. App comment here. Where exactly in round one is Morig going to be drafted? This is from Jablonski. I need to know who Morig is, Connor. Yeah, here you go, Lefko. Trayvon Merrick from TCU, maybe the best cover safety in the entire draft. Really reminds me of Justin Reed, who's had some nice years in Houston, but reminds me of him coming out of Stanford where, you know, you look at it. I think with Merrick, he's somebody that plays the ball really well, can cover out of the slot. And right now you're, you're not seeing Trayvon Merrick, but he's someone that is perfect for this NFL era where you need cover safeties, guys that can play too high, guys that can play single high, guys that can run with these move tight ends out of the slot, really good ball production, a lot of competence, understands how to play the vertical passing game, can flip his hips, can go sideline to sideline, really good range. So Trayvon Merrick, I mean, even the Raiders at 17, if you want to talk early, even the Patriots at 15, do I expect that to happen? No, but I think he's going round one. I think even when you look at Green Bay, they could be a sleeper team for him. I just love the way he plays the game. He knows how to come downhill and play the football. A fearless kind of player. He's done it all at safety. That TCU secondary has been very, very impressive to watch the last two years. And he's been one of the, the staples of it. The guy in the back end that gets everybody in line. The guy in the back end that is the last line of defense but can come up to the line of scrimmage and cover. So, Merrig is a name we're going to be grading on night one, and it's been quiet around him because we're obsessed with the wide receivers and the quarterbacks, but he's just a rock-solid 10-year starter at the safety position. Six, six foot, 202, 4'5". I saw last year we had uh, Jeff Gladney get drafted in the first round out of TCU. Uh, Trevin Merrig will likely be added to that list. Uh, do you have another safety for me uh, that – could be even late first round, early second. Yeah, it's going to be Richie Grant from UCF. Probably looking in that second to third round range. A little bit of the discount version of Merrick to an extent. But Richie Grant has incredible ball production. I think he had 10 career interceptions there. Has played at a really, really high level. At the Senior Bowl, looked like the best coverage player on the field at times. And is he the biggest guy in the world? No, but the range is so good. He reminds me of Nasir Adderley, who came out of the draft two years ago uh, from Delaware, went to the Chargers, another player with really, really good range. And Grant is somebody, much like Merrig, is coming out of a secondary that has made a lot of big plays. Him and their corner, Aaron Robinson, are going to have their names called on that night two of the draft. Tay Tay Gowan, who didn't play this year, opted out, but the 2019 film is really good. Is a nice day three corner. So UCF has done a really nice job developing secondary players for the NFL. 
And, and Richie Grant just has the range and the ball skills on the back end. Teams that rely on safeties in single high and can recognize things are just going to love this player. And quite frankly, you just don't get a lot of safeties with that kind of range in each draft. You might get two to three in each draft. So despite the size, maybe not the fastest guy, but plays fast on the field, Grant can make an impact and can be a day one starter. Uh, Andrew L. Magnuson, friend of the, the show, noted sticky, fill in the blank. Richie Grant is safety number blank. Oh, well, let's pull it up and take a look. So I break it down into free safeties and strong safeties. He is free safety number three. I have Trayvon okay. Merrick, of course, ahead of him. Jamar Johnson from Indiana ahead of him as well, a late riser. So safety number three, uh, free safety number three, round two player. And the strong safeties are more in that round three kind of range. So he's ahead of all of them. Uh. Dane, I know I see like Dane Brugler has him at number one. So there's, it's an interesting overall. How is this safety class in your mind? Is it deep? Is it, is it top heavy? What do you think? You can find what you need. You're not going to find Derwin James. You're not going to find, you know, Jamal no Adams. Game changers. Right. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to find these guys like that, but if you need guys that have range and can cover on the back end, Mary Johnson, Grant, Cisco, Javon Holland, they could all do that. If you need these big matchup players that can play in the box, can run with tight ends, strong safeties, you have Dean from SFU. You have Divine Diablo, one of our favorites of this show. You have Jacoby Stevens from LSU. So, you know, and Stevens is kind of Keanu Neal light in that extent. He's almost a linebacker in the box. So the safety class is deep in an extent that there's niche players for everything you could want, and we'll have a lot of safeties taken in the top 106 picks. A lot of love for Syracuse product Andre Cisco, and I love him simply because he went to Syracuse. You ready for rapid-fire Q&A, Connor Rogers? Let's do it, man. Okay, first one up, Sports Hernia. Biggest surprise in the top 15, what's it going to be? I don't think we're going to get a ton of surprises. I think the question is going to be, how do the receivers go? And if people aren't prepared for it, Jalen Waddell is probably going to go earlier than you think. And that's boring because I've told you that from day one. But with Waddle's speed, he's probably going to go in the top 10. And I think there'll be a big group of draft fans or college fans that go over Devontae Smith, maybe even over Kyle Pitts. I wouldn't be shocked. Mm. So I think Jalen Waddle will be the surprise. And then I just think the offensive line run can get crazy. It could start in the top 15. Vera Tucker, Tevin Jenkins, those guys could start real early. So I don't think it's going to be this wildly eventful top 15 once we get through the quarterbacks that go one through three. Uh, but Waddle is my surprise guy. Next one up, Bama Raider. How do you feel about Garrett Wallow from TCU being a sleeper pick in this draft? He's a tackling machine, right? He's a little undersized. He might not be the fastest guy, but he's got good agility where those things kind of translate to special teams. It reminds me a little bit of Blake Cashman, who you know came out and was another undersized run-and-chase linebacker with uh, great leadership, really the, the core of the defense, right? The middle of the defense that will play bigger than that size. And you see it right there, taking on an offensive line, a lead blocker. He'll come downhill and, and be a thumper. So I think Wallow, his path to a long NFL career is, you know, he's going to be a day three pick. He's going to be a long-term special teams kind of captain player. 
and the rotational sub-package linebacker. But I like seeing names like that mentioned on our show. This one comes from Sad Jet Fan. Who is the Dream Jets draft sleeper that no one is talking about? Man, I feel like we've talked about them all at this point. I I mean, when you look at it, the dream sleeper, I don't know if there is one. We've talked a million times about quarterback early. We've talked about all the offensive linemen. I I guess the dream not sleeper in an extent for me, though, left go is round three. I would like to see them make a play for a guy like Kenny Gainwell out of Memphis. They need more juice at the running back position. Every single mock draft, I don't know if it's because it's easy for people. They go, oh, let's give them Travis Etienne because they need a running back. And they, Joe Douglas, I don't think it's his identity, his DNA to take a running back early. I think that extra Seattle third rounder will be where they take running back. And Gainwell or Michael Carter would be the dream fits for me. Uh, You've talked before about Caleb Farley, about his athleticism and his injury history. This one comes from A.J. Sandy. Is there a chance Caleb Farley drops to pick 29 for the Packers? There is, and I think they're one of the teams that's most equipped to take that kind of risk. A high-profile athletic corner with back injuries, anything could happen. He could fall out of the first round, uh, no matter what his agent says. And I'm rooting for Caleb Farley. I love the film. Seems like a really confident guy a guy that's really easy to root for. I just think the days of being a top 15 pick are behind us. And if you're a team in the top 20, that risk is it's gigantic. I think he's a great fit in Tennessee, you know, in the top 25 picks of the draft. But Tennessee is recovering from getting zero production from their round one pick last year. Can they take that chance in a different mold, not a character mold, but a health mold this year? Love the fit. So Green Bay... I think it's perfect. I just I think he does get there too. But is Green Bay going to look at it and go, we need an impact player as the Aaron Rodgers era comes to a close. If Farley's healthy, he's that guy. Nobody knows if he will be healthy for a full 17-game season. Final one from the Iceberg. For the Ravens at 20... 20- oh, two more. So this one is from Joe Kane for Heisman. Connor, how far will Landon Dickerson fall? Not that far, probably round two. And the only reason is because of medicals. He's got a long medical history going back to Florida State, transfers to Alabama, uh, the best interior offensive lineman that I have watched in this draft cycle. He, his interviews with coaching staffs have been off the charts. People just love him, Lefko. Everyone I talk to goes, man, how can I convince our staff to take Landon Dickerson? I don't care about the medical history. I'll take the risk. So Landon Dickerson is going to be a round two player. And if things finally go right for him medically, he could be the, he could be a pro bowl player from year one. He's that good. Mm, Okay. Keep it rolling. Rogue J rogue. Who do you see the chargers getting on defense or will they go O-line to help Herbert out? The chargers are in a, a feel it out process right now because they're in the no man's land of the draft. Ken, Penny Sewell drop a little bit. Maybe we make the play. We know they've been aggressive. They have no problem coming up for players. Maybe they make a play to come up for Penny Sewell or Rashawn Slater, or maybe, you know, a beer Tucker falls into their lap, or maybe they sit there and go, we didn't get the O-line we wanted. Let's take JC Horn. Uh, let's take Greg Newsom. Sertain fell. We didn't expect it. Let's take Sertain. We need help at corner. The Chargers are a very, very unpredictable team right now because They are in such a strange part of the draft where it starts to turn over from blue chip players to solid starter kind of players. So I think the Chargers are one that you circle and go, they don't need a quarterback, but they are definitely a trade-up candidate. Okay, BPA for the Chargers. Let's go to Las Vegas. 
next in the rapid fire. I love this. Thank you for doing this, especially getting to know the hidden jewels. What are your thoughts and what do you hear on the direction of the Raiders are going to go from Be Real 24? Well, number one, thank you. I love hidden jewels. That's I like that better than hidden gems at this point. Yeah. Your football team is one of the most unpredictable drafters I have ever encountered in my years of doing this. Cleveland Farrell early. And this isn't me knocking them because they've made some good decisions as well. And also at times very predictable. Everybody knew they were taking Josh Jacobs, but Damon Arnett is one that, you know, I didn't expect that. So I'm sitting here and going, well, the facts and the indisputable evidence tells us 17 is the perfect spot for Tevin Jenkins or whatever top offensive lineman falls. You have needs there. You have a quarterback that you need to protect. But do they go outside the box again? That's always what I'm going to wonder with the Raiders. But sitting here and go, and I like Mike Mayock. I know it's trendy right now to crush the Raiders. John Gruden makes a lot of decisions there. So let's not be quick to run Mike Mayock out the door. I think they need a scale back, a calm draft, and just take a safe, reliable offensive lineman at 17. I will always argue, before we get to this last one, that Mike Mayock's initial rankings were always wildly different than everybody saw. And after he began talking to more people around the league, it got fine-tuned. I will never forget when he had Deshaun Kaiser as his number one quarterback, and then on draft day, he was suddenly number five. And so I do wonder when you can talk to 32 teams to refine your process versus you got to keep it serious and to yourself, that's when the Damon Arnett's and the Cleveland Ferrell's start to happen. And so that's just my theory. It's how I've always felt about Mike Mayock. I think he's a great listener, but it's hard to listen when you can't talk to anybody. Okay, last one. And that's a good edit. Ra- uh, that's a good edit going to Sean Kaiser from number one to number five. So hopefully he learns from his mistakes. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Okay, for the Ravens at 27, would you take Aziz or away? for the edge position. I feel like the Ravens are most likely to trade down, but if they don't, who's your pick? Don't forget Matt Judon, their number one pass rusher now plays for the Patriots. Yeah, a great question. And I would take Aziz Ojolari because he's the way more talented player. And a lot of times you look at this, two different players, right? Away is much bigger, much thicker, uh, more hand in the dirt. The Ravens are one of the most multiple front teams in the entire NFL with Wink Martindale. They will throw everything out there. They are not a team you write 3-4 or 4-3 or or edge in or anything like that. They are a team that you'll see four different fronts per game. So, and a lot of stand-up outside rushers. And that's what Aziz is. Aziz is, I can stand up. Sure, I'm 245 pounds, but I'll put my hands in the chest of an offensive tackle, come crashing down against guys pulling. Great first step for an outside speed rush. Knows how to use his hands to create violence, very active hands, and can turn into the pocket and go for the kill shot for strip sack. So away has no pass rush plan. I love his athleticism. I love his hustle. I love his size. But I'm looking at this for Baltimore and saying, get somebody on the field that can wreak havoc right away. You just lost Matt Judon. That's okay. I'm not panicking. I think Matt Judon's a solid player, but he's not this game-changing top three pass rusher on the outside. Ojolari can come in and give you enough from day one where away you just don't know. Uh, I kind of equate it in basketball to when a ball handler has a bag and they have a lot of moves in the bag. 
And if you haven't had any, some coaches are going to look at it and go, oh, we can add some. But why not have a guy that already has them and take those to the next level? Uh, that was our final live show, guys. Thank you so much for joining us these last seven weeks. They have legitimately flown by. I cannot believe it. We are not done, though. Sunday, 11 a.m. in the BR app and BR YouTube, we are going to have a mock draft where Connor is going to make the pick for every team in the first round. If you can't watch it with us Sunday at 11 a.m., it will be on demand all throughout the week that you can watch it whenever, go to your team, scrub through the timeline, and see who your team is taking. Draft night, Akib Talib, RG3, Reggie Wayne, Cam Jordan, Connor Rogers Hair, my sweaters. It's going to be a very big night. We, unlike ESPN and NFL Network, if the news breaks on Twitter, we're not going to wait. We're going to do it right then. So as you're waiting for ESPN to get through their feature story about how this draft pick didn't know how to read, we are going to be breaking down, and not that that's a bad thing, we're going to be breaking down the next pick. Oh, they're in commercial? We already are talking about J.C. Horn. We don't have time. It's a big night. We're not waiting for anybody. This is BR. We do it different, Okay. Uh, so day three, it will be Connor Rogers. Taylor Rooks has taken over my spot. I need to fly to New York and have a wedding shower, which is apparently a thing people do. I don't know. I got roped into that one, Connor. I'm trying to get out of it. Special guest, though, will be joining you on Sundays. And as always, post video reactions to your team's draft picks posted in the NFL Draft community, and we will be sending you some swag. Anything you want to say before we go, Connor? Dude, I cannot wait. This draft show this year is going to be, we use that extra time, right? We don't have commercials and we don't, like you said, we don't waste time on these extra stories and features and all these things where you're going to hear more about your team and the players that your team is drafting than anywhere else. And you're not just going to hear it from me. You're going to hear it from Akib Tlaib grading every pick. Like we said, RG3, Reggie Wayne, Cam Jordan. Dude, I can't wait. It's going to be a blast. As somebody that has watched the draft for a long time, there is nothing worse than your team is on the clock and they're interviewing Trevor Lawrence. And all you want to hear about is what is your team going to do? We promise you that ain't happening. For Connor Rogers, I'm Adam Lefko. Thanks for watching. We'll see you Sunday for the Mock Draft Show. Peace.